Good evening. Welcome to Night Time. I'm Dave Wager from the Relate 365 Leadership Team, your host for the next half hour. We're hoping that God will use this time to help you unwind from the business of this day and begin to prepare for tomorrow. Often, when we start the process of going to sleep, we can take a moment to reflect on the day and see how we responded to the various people and situations we encountered. Hopefully, you're able to live and not just endure this day. Each night as we start our time together, I want to remind you of some critical thoughts that so often get lost in the plethora of stimuli we seem immersed in. God is a God of love, and He loves you. And He has a plan, and you can be in His plan if you want to be. If you had trouble finding God today, it was because you did not truly seek Him. If for some reason you're angry, disappointed, or choosing to disobey God, you don't know Him. If you've been listening in previous episodes, we've been going through a book I wrote called Beyond the Deception, Learning to Defend the Truth. It's in the intimate warrior set of books that basically train us how to think as we go through God's Word. Not because I know how to think, but because God does. And this gets us in God's Word and has us read it and then gives us some spaces to journal and think and reflect. It was really written as a training tool to help people understand what they need to do in order to read and think and ponder God's Word. This particular book focuses in on false teachers from Jude and Second Peter. It's almost as if Jude and Second Peter were the same author, and as I say that, I kind of snicker in my heart because it is. I had a young man approach me the other day and talk to me about how some of his friends say that when I teach, I don't say anything new. And I assured him that I don't. That I haven't had a new thought probably all my life. It might have been new to me, but it's not new. You see that truths in life have not changed. The things that are true are not different today than they were yesterday. We as people learn, but God doesn't. So we need to put ourselves in a position where we can learn and change. And I may say something different, but the truth really is not different. I may approach things differently, but the truth is still the same. And perhaps within various cultures, we display this truth in different ways. Anyway, I enjoy coming to you each episode. In this episode, as we read thought number 12 and Beyond the Deception, a book you can obtain on our website at relate365.com or through the publisher if you want to buy several or contact us directly and we can get you a discount on several of them. 
At the top of the page, I write this. Is it possible to grow without changing or without effort? Certainly that's a valid question because academically we understand that we can't stay the same and change. The very idea of change means change. So if you want something different in your life today, you can't achieve it by doing the same thing you did yesterday. If you want to get up earlier, you need to actually get up earlier, which would be different than you did yesterday. If you wanted to go to sleep earlier, you have to go to sleep earlier. If you want to lose weight, you probably have to eat differently and exercise more. If you want to be more loving and kind, you need to concentrate on thinking of others rather than yourself. And if that changes how you live, then that's what we're doing is changing how we live. It's interesting how some of these very simple things in life are so profound to us. If we could be different but not change, we would all be in line doing that. And we would love to do it. Second Peter 1, 6-9 in the New Living Translation says, And knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But for those who fail to develop in this way, they are short-sighted or blind, forgetting they have been cleansed from their old sins. And that was 2 Peter 1, 6-9. Satan would love for us to believe that there's no real effort in our growth, no real decision-making, no real struggle. He would deceive us into believing that if we just let go and let God, we would be fine, even if we don't know God. The fact of the matter is that God expects us to add something to our faith. We cannot add works that would cause Him to find us more acceptable, but we can add things that will position us to see Him more clearly and position ourselves to be used by Him. He tells us that we should add to our faith a life of moral excellence. We should decide that we will live our lives in a manner that reflects the truth we know. We need to decide that we will be obedient in all that has been revealed to us. When we do that, we'll find that God is right. You see, when I listen to God, for example, I love my wife as Christ loved the church. I see that God is right, and in a sense I know God better, for I have seen that He is indeed right. As I know God better, and as I see His ways prevail, I'll rededicate myself to listening to Him no matter what my human feelings or desires are. This is new dedication, and it will be tested. 
And when it is, I will stand firm because I have already seen God's work and I'm convinced of his goodness. This new spiritual endurance leads me to continue to refine my life, to refocus my life so that I may reflect him. As I reflect him, I begin to love others the way I should and become a productive plant in the garden of God. None of this happens by accident. This productivity happens because when I came to God, I saw him as more than just a fire escape from hell. I saw him as God. I realized that because he was God and I was not, I needed to align my life with his will. I need to continually reaffirm the fact that I will remain obedient to God no matter how I feel. Every time I do this, God's plan, purpose, and systems are reaffirmed and allowed to function, and I begin to once again see that He is right, to assert my self-control, to develop my patience, and to grow my love for others. Growth does not happen by itself. It's deliberate. It's deliberative and progressive. Have you added anything to your faith lately? If you've downloaded the other episodes on Relate365.com, you'll know that at the end of each little thought, there's a little puzzle piece I add. Kind of like helping us understand the puzzles of life and the pieces and how they fit. The statement I make after this verse and these thoughts is this. Growth demands change or it's not growth. Therefore, I should be able to measure my growth by the changes I have made. If I'm not changing, I'm not growing. I know that sounds very simple. I remember when my children were small and they would come home and we had bought them some new clothing. And it seemed like the next week after we bought it, they outgrew their pants or their shirt or their arms were too long or legs were too long. I remember once joking with one of my daughters and telling her she's got to stop this changing. She can grow up. She can get taller, but just don't change. And she looked at me like I was silly. But after I said that, I thought, I think I do that to God all the time. I think I come to him and say, God, I'd love to change, but I don't want to change. I would love to know you more and be more obedient, and I would love to love people more, but I just don't want to change. So if you could continue to allow me to live the life that I live now without changing anything and still allow me to change, then that would be good. Now, if you were even remotely paying attention to what I said, you would realize that what I said isn't worth paying attention to in the fact that you can't change and not change. I enjoyed writing this book tremendously in that I was able to show my journaling notes and that's what I read to you in my concluding thoughts. When you read the Bible, do you 
write down your thoughts. Do you have thoughts that you write and you journal and you talk to God about? It's a good practice. And you might say, yeah, well, Dave, that's your thing. You like writing. And no, I actually don't like writing. I don't like reading. I don't like anything academic. I much rather be doing something sports-wise or active outside. But I write all the time, and I love to read because I want the information. My life has changed. So often, though, we believe what we want to believe about ourselves, and even if it's a lie, we want to believe it, so we believe it's true. You really need a way to evaluate what you believe to see if what you believe is true because the idea of believing something does not make it true. And the thought for the 13th day in the book of Beyond the Deception, the little thought at the top of the page says, I am capable of believing a lie. I'm not sure I like that statement, but it's true. I wonder how many other things in my life I have believed, but they're not true. Because somebody presents information compellingly does not make it true. Certainly there have been times where you've been at a debate or maybe took a debate class and had to Debate something you didn't even believe, and possibly you won. The idea of debate does not determine truth. You need to have some way to make sure that what you're believing is actually true. Second Peter 1.10 from the New Living Translation says this, so, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really among those God has called and chosen. Do these things, and you will never fall away. That was 2 Peter 1.10. One of Satan's greatest deceptions is convincing people that they are children of God, when indeed they are not. If he could get away with having people think that they have entered God's family when they haven't, that certainly would be the greatest deception of all, for God loves all mankind. And God is just, which means he always does what's right. And if he said that the payment for sin is death, he meant the payment for sin is death or separation. That's why he sent Jesus to this earth to die, because he is just. And the payment for my sin has been made by Christ. If tonight you're trying to be good enough so that God would accept you, and you've never really accepted what God did for you, 
You might say, well, if I do that, then I'll go out and misbehave on purpose. I don't think so. If you really understand the love of God and respond to it, your life will change. You will be different. And if your life is not different, then you did not understand what God has done for you. In Matthew chapter 7, 22nd to 23rd verse, in the New Living Translation, it says, On Judgment Day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. That was Matthew 7, 22 and 23. And Judgment Day, many will say, There'll be many who stand before God one day who have worked in our churches, loved our children, talked the talk, and looked to us like they were walking the walk, and yet they're not part of God's family. This must be the greatest and cruelest deception of all. For the consequences of such a deception are beyond comprehension. Yet God says it's true. What this means is that I am capable of fooling myself. I am capable of believing a lie that was either handed to me or that I made up myself. In fact, I can imagine nothing more tragic than thinking that all is well with God and me, only to find out that I was wrong. How do I know that I am a child of God? One indicator is the fact that our lives are in obvious transition. When we become believers, God in the form of the Holy Spirit lives within us and begins to convict us of our sin and teaches us as we are in the Bible and gives us new appetites. If we are true believers, we will see some sort of fruit or evidence of such a standing. We will see the fruit of the Spirit displayed. Love, joy, peace, patience, etc. And we will see others come to Christ because of what He is doing in our lives. We can know we're true believers as our wills begin to align with God's as our citizenship moves from this temporal earth to our eventual eternal home. We can know we are part of God's family as we see ourselves persecuted for doing good. There is no way that I can accurately judge whether another human has truly placed his or her faith in Christ and been forgiven. But I can report that there are many who believe they are right with God when in reality they are not. Romans 3.30 in the New Living Translation says, There is only one God, and He makes people right with Himself only by faith, whether they are Jews 
or Gentiles. It is my faith, and if it is truly in Christ as my hope for salvation, I am a child of God. If my hope is in any other, I am deceived. John 14.6 in the New Living Translation says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So, where is your hope? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 in the New Living Translation says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. There will be no boasting in heaven of people who want others to look at themselves and how good they were at the things they did. Throughout the Bible, those who are in God's family are often referred to as those who were once orphans. And if you're an orphan, you had nothing to do with being in your family. Somebody saw your need. Somebody who could meet your needs saw your need. And they made the effort to bring you into their family. The only qualification on your part was that you were needy. You can't work your way into that family. You can't pay your way into that family. Those are not adoptive rules. The only way into that family is for the parents to recognize your need, for you to know that you have a need, and for them who are capable to meet your need to do that. That's exactly what God did. The only thing I really can give to God that he will accept is my neediness. I am needy. God has seen my need. He can provide for my need, and he has provided for my need. I have accepted his provision in Jesus Christ, and because I have accepted his provision, I am a part of his family. While part of his family, certainly I will have my good days and bad days. I will have days where I'm an ingrate and where I forget where I came from and where I start to think of all the things I deserve and should have and really I begin to forget the fact that I was an orphan, that I had nothing and that my Heavenly Father has given me everything because of my neediness. When you think about that, you can't help but adjust your lifestyle to praise and thank God for what he has done. Common decency 
causes us to look at that and respond to it in a positive way. A lot of times people mess up the idea of God's mercy and His grace. Mercy is not giving you what you deserve and grace is giving you far more than you would ever deserve. I've heard people talk about, I don't deserve this, I don't deserve that. And I think, I don't know if you know what you're talking about. Since every human being that ever walked the planet is sinful, we all deserve separation from God and each other. That's what we deserve. But because God is merciful, those who are in his family who have placed their trust in his son Jesus will never experience that separation. That's his mercy. We deserve punishment by separation, but because we're in his family, we will not experience that. That's mercy. Grace is way beyond that. Grace is giving us more than we deserve. As an orphan child, I certainly did not deserve to come into God's family and have him take care of all my needs for the rest of eternity, but he has chosen to do that. Titus 2, 11 through 13 tells us, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. The grace of God. And it teaches us to do what? To deny ungodliness and worldly lusts and to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So grace is not something that gives us a license to do stupid things. It's a schoolmaster. It's a teacher. When you understand the grace of God and you respond to the grace of God, your life is different. Like I said on the others, the other chapters of the book, Beyond the Deception, I end each one with a puzzle piece. I call it a truth puzzle. And this is another piece of the truth puzzle. Truth must be discovered, never made up. It is found, not created. It is eternal, not temporal. I can choose what flavor ice cream is the best, but I cannot choose what truth is and what is not because it already is. I need to be somebody who discovers truth, not makes it up. Because if I make it up, there's a good chance I'm wrong. It's been fun being able to read part of a book that I wrote that is published by Grace Acres Press in Colorado Springs. I encourage you to go to their website or ours at relate365.com and take a look at the availability of these books. They really have done 
more than I thought they would in the, in the sense of helping people sort out how to read and apply God's Word. And you can do that if you're in a small group. You can do that personally. We have known that homeschoolers have used this kind of tool to help them learn how to read God's Word and respond to it. And we're so thankful to be a part of that. There's a lot out there that you could be listening to. I understand that. And nighttime isn't one of those that gets your adrenaline flowing. And hopefully it is, does the opposite. It causes you to think and relax and go to sleep thinking of something that's profitable for the next day. I'm thankful that you decided to spend some time and join me. My name is Dave Wager, and I'm really the president of Silver Birch Ranch, which is uh, a ministry that hosts the Nicolay Bible Institute, a one-year college for young people to teach them to serve and know God. I invite you to go to Relate365.com and check out all the resources there that have been created for you to walk with God. Or SilverBirchRanch.org or NicolayBibleInstitute.org or our publisher, Grace Acres Press. Thanks for spending time with me. I look forward to being with you again in the next episode. Good night.